I'm absolutely thrilled to bring you a very special guest today. She currently serves as Senior Vice President EMEA at Everbridge. Here's what one of her colleagues says about her. She is a truly exceptional person. She is poised, intelligent, energetic and capable of handling any challenge that stands in her way. She is a natural born leader and a creative thinker. Stefika Divkovic, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Uh, pleasure is all mine, Stefika. Um, maybe you could share with me, because I, I saw on your LinkedIn that you speak five languages. Three of them are Eastern European, what we would regard in, in, in old days as Eastern European languages. Uh, maybe you could share with us a little bit where you grew up and, and, and what that was like. <laughs> sure. Um... I was born in Austria. Um, my parents have been there at that point of time for a couple of years, but grew up in Bosnia, in former Yugoslavia, today Bosnia, uh, and have been there until the Balkany War started when I moved as a 20-year-old over to Germany. So I grew up in a, in a socialistic regime, if you want to put it that way, and changed mm -hmm. into capitalism as I was 20. So that's a par part of my DNA. And... Um, actually a good mixture of everything in everything I do of both of these kind of political regimes, but also cultural aspects, being in Eastern European, Southern Europe. And I must admit, I've been, uh, I feel really privileged and happy to have the possibility to grow, to grow up in a different culture and live in a different, but more also to work and live today uh, with many different cultures and people coming from all over the world and to learn different aspects of cultures um, and countries and languages and make the best pieces of it be my own. So that's what, what makes me <laughs> who mm. I am today. How much of that early experience defines who you are today? Oh, very much. Um, because whatever I've learned in, uh, in the time in Bosnia uh, has actually had a lot of impact and influence, um, you know, the way I developed in my beliefs, in my values, and people who work closely with me today and have worked with me in the past, they, they know it very well because I always repeat myself as saying, there is no compromise on the values and what you stand for and mine today are uh, and have always been is respect and dignity. Whatever you do, no matter what hard decision you're going to make in your life, whether private or business, mm. don't compromise on your value. And as I said, for me, it's respect and dignity. Share with me, if you, if you can, just a little bit about what that transition was like for many of us who have grew up in the West. We have no idea what the transition, not so much the early childhood being uh, in Yugoslavia, but then when you, you said you moved to Austria, right? That was, or sorry, Germany, I beg your pardon. Mm -hmm. what, in terms of a culture shock, what, were, what are your abiding memories and impressions? Oh my gosh, uh, it's been very, very emotional and tough. I mean, if you consider 
I didn't want to come to Germany. The war came and then, you know, I had to leave all my friends, family. I was studying education and psychology back at the time. Um, I had my whole life in Bosnia and then, you know, all of a sudden you had to leave everything you had. So I had a bag with clothes for two weeks and 20 Deutsche Marks in my pocket. I uh, came into Dortmund, landed here and didn't speak the language, uh, actually didn't know what to do. So um, ended up working at the hotel, you know, I had to earn some money. So um, to be able to, you know, to survive, if you want to put it that way, it was really about surviving the same day. And then I was lucky to um, get uh, a job in a hotel where I could kind of live as well. So I got a room there and was working day in and day, you know, and day out. Um, and luckily was able to learn the language within the first six months and then, you know, um, was trying to figure out, okay, what's next, right? So um, oh. and at that point of time, to be honest, you know, first six months while I was doing that, it was really just working, 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 learning the language, working and not thinking too much about anything, what, what, what I left, because there was obviously I was missing my mother, missing my friends, missing my family. Um, but then also at some point of time, uh, I decided to take it as an opportunity and to make the best out of that. Uh, now reflecting on it while we were talking, I actually didn't think a lot. My therapy was probably just take it as it is and move on, right? Do the best you can. And that has probably um, followed me my whole life. Uh, even today, if things come across my way, don't think a lot about it. There is no reason for things to happen. Don't think about why, think what for, and just make the best out of it. That's interesting. And when you left, was that a conscious decision on your part or were you as part of some program? No, it was a conscious decision. That's incredibly brave to do something like that because you're uprooting yourself, everything that you're familiar with. So it's not like somebody saying, like me in Ireland, going to live in England where the cultures are broadly similar. That's, that's, that's incredibly brave. It's courageous. really stay, stay and fight for something I wasn't, um, I wasn't believing in too, right? Mm. Um, as we all know, the background from the Balkany War so it's a better the decision to stay and fight for for something you don't believe into as i said or go out mm. and you know start start the life somewhere else and so we're now you're working in a hotel um i'm assuming it's a, a sort of it's a, at the at an entry level position in in the hotel okay. uh, learning german Talk to me about the main milestones in going from there to where you are today. Gosh, okay. Um, I was my first job there at the hotel. It was a, a roommate, being a roommate and serving breakfast to the guests of that hotel. But then after six months, when I learned the language, I was proactively searching for a job uh, for something else to do. So uh, I was lucky to get uh, to get a job at a smaller company as a medium-sized company who produced valves at that point of time, and they were looking for someone who can speak different languages. Um, and as you mentioned at the beginning, I've learned English at school. Uh, I learned Russian obviously at school, and 
uh, could speak other other Slavic languages, so they hired me to do marketing for international um, and also telesales. It's telesales, proactive, outbound calls, what we call today. So that was the start. And then at some point of time, I decided, okay, uh, if I'm living here and working in a technology area, I should probably study something um, which is kind of natural to that job. So I decided to go for economic informatics. Uh, what I did in Dortmund, then finished off the studies in the tandem of the job, economic informatics, and then did my MBA at the latest stage at the University of Wales and started a PhD at the University of Gloucestershire. But in between 1997, I came into into the IT industry, started working in the IT sector, a company called UUNet, uh, which was a part of MCI, MCI WorldCom, and then at the latest stage, British Telecom. So telecommunication was uh, very much for the past 20, 25 years I've been working with. And then uh, last year, December, also uh, an active decision from my side to join Everbridge um, for the reason what they do. And, and really is for what I do because it's a big part of me and Everbridge stands for resilience and provides technology uh, and keeps people life safe, people safe and organizations resilient. And that, as you can hear, is who I am, what I stand for as well. So it comes really nicely together. That's interesting where personal values intersect with what where companies play. I'd like to just go back and understand a little bit. So just listening to you, that, that, that the, the main highlights, um, and you mentioned, I was, you said a couple of times, I was lucky, and I'm not hearing a lot of luck, I'm hearing you making your own luck. And uh, although I appreciate life throws up opportunities as well. But um, where does the drive come from? You, you, you come across as somebody with incredible drive, resilience, and... Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to know where that comes from. That's a good question. I don't know. I've never thought about it. It's just probably who I am. Um, thinking, uh, thinking about it, it might even be, you know, through my childhood and life. I grew up with my sister and my mother, and my mother has had to fight a lot of that in the patriarchal culture as um, you know, with us and raising mm. two girls. And mine was always, you know, just do everything you can, be the best at school, just to make her life easier. Mm. And maybe that was something which kind of triggered the DNA or developed the muscle in me mm. to, to just behave that way in everything you do. And it's kind of a real drive that I always feel and also talk to my mentees and my teams whatever you do, do it with passion and do it only if you love it. If you don't like it, leave it. It's You're the one who can change it. It's no one mm. else. And mm. if you don't like something, you will never be able to give the best and to be at your best. So if you do it, make sure you love it to be at the best. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. That's great advice. Uh, you've got some incredible uh achievements what are you most proud of uh what am i most proud of oh my dear um 
I don't know being the person who I am if I have ever allowed myself to be really proud of something because I always believe you can do more and just make sure you give the best from you. Uh, from that perspective, I can't say that I'm specifically proud of something, but I feel, I think I've mentioned that already, I feel so privileged to be able to do and deliver good and help many people, not only in my working mm. life, to help people develop, to help people grow, to help companies thrive and individuals thrive, but also in my private life, working with different NGOs. Um, uh, we have founded a home here for uh, girls who have suffered violence in many different ways. We host 18 girls here in a home, but also since 1992, I'm working in an organization for war traumatized women and children, helping them in, in Bosnia, for example. So, you know, it's in both sides of the world. And I really feel privileged that I can give back from, mm. and it's again, really being lucky that I had the opportunity to come to Germany as a refugee, to avoid the war, not to fight. Mm. And then to had to be lucky that my path and my way went the way it went. Although I was obviously working hard, yes, and I learned a lot, yes. But it's also having people, friends, family, and all the people who I met during my life who have supported me um, during all of these, you know, situations which have happened. Otherwise, if I would have been just on my own, I'm not sure what would have happened. <laughs> That's a, it's a profoundly uh, impactful thing you're doing in that it would be so easy. You, you talk about the privilege of and, and the opportunity that, that came your way and you took it clearly with both hands, but you haven't stopped there. You've gone back and said, okay, I've been privileged. Uh, I now want to pass that on to others which is the NGO work that you're doing. There seems to be a, a direct link there between the, the NGOs themselves and what they're looking to achieve and who they're protecting and nurturing and caring for and your own experience. Exactly. It is, yeah. it is that part of giving back of, um, of everything I've been able to get uh, and, and to, you know, the support I got from many different people, but again, also, um, from from the luck my life has given to me on my way um, to give back to to, mm. to people. It's just what mm. makes me feel happy and proud, by the way, if we're talking about pride. Now, while I am mm. talking and reflecting on that, it's really pride that I am able to give back. Mm. Mm. For sure. I, anybody listening to this cannot help but be inspired by the story you're sharing can I ask you who inspires you? Oh, I have many, many different individuals who have inspired me during my way, but um, a lot of inspiration uh, came through my sister who is older, three and a half years older than I. And she always took the kind of, the role of big sister while my mother was working a lot and my sister took care of me when, when my mother was not at home. And she always mm. was, um, 
you know, really was helpful. She was always kind of putting her arms around me and holding the hands. And mm. that was the inspiration whenever, and that's an interesting thing now as well, while I'm talking about it. There is one thing which has always followed me when I was in difficult situation. I always felt that holding hands from my sister. And that's that touch of holding help, hands and mm. helping someone to to manage something and that yeah that's my inspiration can i ask if your sister is still part of your life oh yes very much yeah, yeah. that's that's a that's a phenomenal achievement too to have that bond that connection over over a lifetime um it's 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 you're the only second you're the only you're the second only the second person in over a hundred and whatever, 20 or 30 interviews I've done that has named a sibling as somebody who inspires them. And I'll, I just love that. I, I really do, because I think it's a bond that is, is, is so unique and, and not everybody has it for different reasons. And uh, I, I just love to see that. Um, in, in what you're doing now, I, I, I don't want to assume you're going to say the NGO work, but what's giving you the greatest level of satisfaction in what you're doing now? Helping people develop themselves and be the best in what they do. Mm. That really yeah. gives me the satisfaction. It's not even to think what we do, because that's obviously important, but mm. seeing them that they can use, I'm mentoring many, many uh, individuals uh, within Everbridge, but also outside of Everbridge, former mentees from Verizon, but also other organizations I work with. And it really is seeing every single individual being able to do something with my experience and what I can give them on their way to work with and develop with. That's what makes me happy. That's interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a, it's a common thread when I speak to particularly senior leaders. And I think there's something in this is that when when I ask that question, it's never about the money I make or the position that I have, it's who can I help? Mm -hmm. And it's and it's a pretty consistent thing. And I think there's there, there's definitely a strong correlation there between those two. Um, and I don't know, there's one which leads. Is it mm -hmm. the need to help makes you a great leader? Or is it the privilege of being in a leadership position? Then you're kind of your life is in a good place. And oh. then you start to look around. Maybe it's yeah. a bit of both. I don't, I don't know. Um, Listen, it's hard, right? I mean, I remember myself when I came first time into, into a managerial role. It was not an easy task. Now, all of a sudden, to become a manager of your peers, and then you know how it is. Everyone is looking at you, inspecting you. Some of them are even waiting for that you fail. The others are supportive. The others are not. And it's really... And I was threatened at the beginning. I remember I was, oh my gosh, how do I manage that now? And then I figured out for myself, hey, listen, you're not changing as a person, whether it is for you and it will make you be a good manager and, and you will learn uh, as long, you know, as you go through the process and you will make people feel that you really mean it, what you say, it's, it's honesty and transparency and authenticity, I believe, which is important. And you don't know that when you start a managerial role and become a manager mm. of a department. You just have to find yourself. 
But even then, at that point of time, I was really afraid of how it's going to be. And you don't want to fail, obviously. No one wants to fail. You want to be successful, right? Mm. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't accept the role. But how do you do it? Um, how do you manage every barrier which comes across? And probably every day you need to find your way. Mm. But again, there also, what I said at the beginning was very much, no matter what you do, no matter if, it, if you fail in that role, but don't compromise on respect and dignity and leave the people with respect and dignity. Be open and transparent. Name the things, be direct and open. I've always been direct and open. Uh, I think people and especially the teams you manage, they see very, very fast if you're playing a role and if you're not honest. At the same time, they feel also if you really mean it, if you're supporting mm. If you're gonna go and hold their hands when they go through difficult things. Mm. You mentioned a moment ago about when you had your first supervisory role and how difficult it is because there's others who didn't get the job, you did, and will have a different reaction to that. And you said, you know, there's a small number, but there was some who almost wanted you to fail. Um, in, and, and, and that's true of, that I can imagine where you'll have people who, who want you to fail, not because they're bad people, it's just, it's, it's they, it, they feel bad on themselves, I think. But then there's others who are backing your success and support you. Where did you find the greatest motivation? Where did it come from? Those who were backing your success or those who were hoping you'd, you'd fail? Uh, really people believing in me. Um, and I remember I was having my, my first manager in the IT industry when I came. He was actually my manager's manager. There were two levels in between. I was an inside sales representative and he was leading sales. Yeah. And um, he obviously saw that I was, you know, hardworking and um, very passionate and enthusiastic. He saw the talent and potential. And that was 1997. And since then, I've always stayed in touch with him the one way or the other. Because at that point of time, he actually said, Stefika, I know no matter what role I would give you. And again, I was just an inside sales representative. I know you will do it. You will make it. It's because who you are and what you stand for is not because what you can, because you can learn everything. You can learn technology. You can gain new competences, but it's because who you are and what you stand for that you will succeed in everything you do. And I, that, that was something which has followed me through all the years and gave me confidence uh, in difficult situations, right? Okay, think who you are and what you stand for and that is, that is going to guide you away or give you a resolution for a specific problem or a challenge you're facing. When you heard those words, how did you feel and what thoughts went through your mind in the moment? <laughs> really? <laughs> it was kind of really? Is it? I was young. Again, I was 20. When, 1997, I was 25. Um, and it made me feel proud. It made me feel good, yes, if he is, and I, you know, I was having a lot of respect for him, Michael Hoya, mm. but it made me feel 
okay, if he believes it, then there might, there is probably something in that. So um, then it motivated me actually to do even more because I want, didn't want him to be disappointed. Hmm. He was having so much belief in me that I said, okay, now, now even more. <laughs> That's amazing. It's amazing that those few words can have such an impact and he obviously knew what he was doing as well because even your response excuse me <clears throat> when you said really that shows a little bit of self-doubt too that you had that was maybe holding you back just that little bit and you needed somebody to believe in you more than you believed in yourself yeah yeah how much of that have you brought into your own leadership sorry i cut across you i didn't mean to no that's absolutely fine no you are right uh in in, in what you just said um it is uh really how you make people feel and there is no one in this world who wants to do bad job everyone wants to be successful and do good job and for some reason some people are either wrong in the positions they are or they just can't deliver in the way you would expect them to do but coach them help them change them uh, develop them in a way you believe and support the potential they have. But mm. it's being a good manager and leader to someone, it's not about making someone feel bad, but make them feel mm. good about themselves, support them. Uh, it's very easy to say, you know, listen, you're doing a bad job, right? Or to be mean mm. to someone. Uh, but it's very difficult to find the right approach and the way it's much harder to support someone, uh, is, mm. I guess I'm trying to say. Do you, have to feel, do you have to feel good about yourself before you can help others feel good about themselves? You have to know what you can and be very clear. Uh, these are my qualities, this is what I can, and this is what I can give to the others. If you don't know that, how would you support the others? And then I believe I have, a, I have a good clarity of what I can and what I cannot. And, you know, for, for the things, which are, there are many things I cannot, but for these things, I get support. I wanted to ask you, uh, sorry, I, just, I have an edit point here just for one second, because I hear a, be a beeping coming in and it's, I had a tab open. So okay. I've just closed that. So That's fine. Remove, or I'll, I'll remove the, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I wanted to ask you then, in your own leadership journey, you have learned many lessons and clearly have held true to the core values have been the constant in all of that. If you were to, if you were talking right now as a mentor to a young leader coming into an organization, somebody starting out on their own journey, what would be the main pieces of advice that you could share with them? Be open, uh, be honest. Uh, also, don't be afraid about talking um, about your suspicions and, uh, um, and, and, and beliefs and making yourself vulnerable. That, mm. that is being open and transparent because we are human beings and we are emotional and we are afraid of things and it is okay to say it. <laughs> don't don't hide it um and give trust the people if you 
give trust in advance and you if you offer trust in, in advance by being open and transparent of what your beliefs are what you stand for what you can give mm. don't play a role but then you know don't be afraid of of showing that and being vulnerable mm. i wonder how many people I, I i guess my question is this is it getting more difficult to share who you really are in in 2022 in organizations um, when there's so many subjects that are controversial or taboo or people get in trouble for discussing how they feel about them. Um, I'm just wondering where that line is between be open, be authentic, be real, but also be, be careful. Yeah, I mean, we used to have that old expression, you know, never discuss in a business context religion or politics and i'm just wondering now are there other topics that are current that also we just need to respect the fact that there are certain topics we should just are, are not appropriate in a professional mm -hmm. context i don't know in terms of not being appropriate um i would just say I believe not today, more than ever, diversity is a very, very important part of our lives and is seen as important. Mm. Uh, and also diversity is something which enables the resilience. It, it, it makes us better. It's ma it makes also the organizations better. And if mm. we really mean it in terms of uh, the business that we want to be diverse and want to use the advantage of diversity and, and, you know, which enables resilience from my perspective. We have to be also open for all different kinds of diversity. Diversity is not only uh, culture and language. It, it is also a religion and it is also different values what people stand for. Uh, for me personally, there is no reason to play a role or act or you know hide things if these are the things which make you who you are mm. uh, you don't have to be you know an open book obviously if you don't want mm. to but if you yeah. if you yeah, yeah. if that's who you are and what you stand for um these are the main the, the core portions of your dna i believe it's important that your team and the team you lead knows who you are and that I also know who they are, what they stand mm. for. Mm. And that's, uh, for, for me, that's the way how we can create that diverse power to move forward, grow and develop ourselves and also mm. deliver the best for the organizations we're working mm. for. Is that another way of just of, of saying we just all need to be more tolerant? When we talk about diversity, it's, it's where we need to be more tolerant, more respectful, more open to those who may not be so familiar to us, don't look like yes. us, don't act like us, don't think like us. I'd say respectful, Paul. Um, I don't know, tolerant. Who am I to, you know, to be the one who say I'm t tolerating someone, respecting, respecting who That's they are. That's better. No matter I, who they are, all. but respecting them. 100%. I agree. That's there's a poor choice of word there with Toddler. You're absolutely right. That's a there's a judgmental tone to that, which is which is not right. I like that. Uh, tell me something about yourself, Stefika, if you could, that you reckon 
nobody who works with you knows about you. That maybe it's an experience you've had, somebody you've met, something you've done that, yeah, they'd be surprised to hear about it. Something that you're comfortable sharing. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me think of it. Nobody knows and people would be surprised. Uh, I don't know there. I mean, um, I did belly dancing at some point of time. I was learning it. <laughs> and I was, I was, um, at the same time, I was a heavy metal fan. <laughs> oh, now that's, <laughs> if I met you in the street, you do not scream heavy metal to me. <laughs> okay. I think, yeah, I think we found it very good. Um, what's your own personal definition of success? Definition of success. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, every single day to be able to say, I delivered the best I could. And that, that's success. And yeah, that's, you know, I've given my mm. best. That's, that's, I love that. That's really profound actually. Yeah, because it's simple and it covers everything, no matter what you're doing. That if you just do your best, then that's success. It's not about money or climbing corporate ladders or anything else. It's just for you, that you, that you look, can look at yourself, look at your day and feel, feel proud. It was good. Cool. And uh, it's not all, it's, and it's not about what others believe is success. It's yeah about what I believe for me yeah. uh, and what I have given, right? It might be for yeah. someone else. What I did today might be for someone else or for you even say, oh, that was not that good. But it was mm. the best I could give, mm. right? So enough. And if I can end the day and say, that's the best I've given and I did, you know, everything to do it, mm. it's that. Mm. Um. Have you any unfulfilled ambitions? Ambitions, career-wise or personal? No, I would say life-wise, things you'd like to do that you haven't done yet. No, actually not. There is, I've, looking into my life, I never had a specific plan. I want to do this, this, and this, you know, these are the steps mm. I will take, never. Uh, I never even thought about it having a plan or a career plan. I was just going for it, taking opportunities which came my way or, you know, developing opportunities. And uh, again, I have to say, although, it, you know, it's repetition, but give my best <laughs> in everything mm. I do. There was no career plan as such or plan of life as such. Um, there were even some stages in my life where, I'm, you know, I was not that proud of, you know, like my uh, my divorce. Um, you know, that's something that's a commitment I couldn't continue having towards my ex-husband. So, but um, it there was no plan. It was just the life, the life. It 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 came, it developed, and I tried doing my best. Mm. But what you have brought to that is is a, a, a huge appetite for work and for hard work, 
which probably substitutes for the plan because if you're working hard you're active and then opportunities throw themselves up and if you if you have a sense of what you want then it's the kind of the the plan unveils itself in front of you that but was never defined yeah well it was never defined and i never thought in terms of plan of having a plan or you know to achieve some mm certain positions in private or mm. it's always you know there is a certain target at the point of time being it business wise okay let's finish it off let's make it happen and let's finish it off. Mm. Mm. half a year a year right there is no such plan as such or things and ambitions for the future i would want to have it's just mm. continuing um supporting supporting people mm. to be able to develop and achieve their targets uh, and, and make them feel good about themselves and the work they do. Hmm. I heard a great expression a few years ago, which again, was, I felt was quite profound and came at the right time for me was it, it said, if you want to find yourself, lose yourself in the support of others, which I thought mm -hmm. was an interesting, which it seems is. to be, yeah. That is uh, very powerful. Yes. Yeah. Tell me about what you do to unwind and relax. Any hobbies, interests outside of work that you are passionate about, have a real interest in? Uh, well, obviously my work with the NGO takes a lot of time, but it is hiking every, uh, also just walking, being in the nature, um, being mm. close to the nature, being, I love sea, um, so, you know, and music, dancing, singing <laughs> i lose myself <laughs> in singing although i can't sing <laughs> what okay so i'm developing a mental picture here and what i'm seeing is you're in austria right right now in germany oh in germany sorry i, see, I thought you said you mentioned austria at the beginning because i was born in austria Ah, that was it. Sorry, I lost that. Okay, now my mental picture is destroyed <laughs> because I have a picture of you. I had like Julie Andrews in Salzburg and the sound of music and you're <laughs> dancing and singing in the mountains. And uh, yeah, yeah. Whereabouts in Germany are you now? Dortmund. Oh, Dortmund. Born? Okay, so you're yeah. you're up kind of not Düsseldorf. middle north. Yeah, yeah, yeah Düsseldorf. Yeah. Close to Düsseldorf. Yeah. What is it that you like most about Germany? Oh, being detail-oriented, being punctual, being um, technology-oriented. Uh, mm. It's kind of, you know, logic. Mm. Uh, Germany is very, very logic culture, uh, and everything is around technology and what you said, plans. And maybe that's the part which mm. gives me that fulfillment and that behavior and that culture which um, stands for the plan in my life, in a way. Mm. I wanted to ask you, oh yes it was, sorry, it was about the, the, the past two years have been difficult for a lot of people. It's been, kind of, they've been uprooted from their normal patterns of work and play and so on. Um, but that's been discussed many, many times. What's been good for you that you want to take, that you feel that, that that's changed from the pandemic that we should hold on to? From the pandemic? Um... It's kind. Of, it's it. It really is uh, respecting the opportunity to be with each other. That's mm -hmm. one, right? So because we we've, we've 
taken it as normal to be able to meet with each other on a regular basis and see face to face. Um, and that's not normal and it's not given. Don't take it as given. That's number one. Number two is also being healthy is not given. Uh, you know, let's appreciate and, and, and be thankful for every single day which we can spend uh, with, with the health we have today. Um, and mm. also respect the, uh, again, respect the individual in everything mm. what I do with all the challenges uh, of their lives. And especially in the pandemic, we know that many individuals have not only suffered the disease, but also suffered homeschooling, uh, not being able to travel, not having big houses with a garden where they could go out, but just being closed mm. and locked down in their homes. Um, domestic violence has, has uh, risen from due to pandemic as well. So don't take anything as given. Just be thankful for the health, for the time, for everything we are privileged of having in our lives today. Okay. Two uh, short final questions, uh, Defica, just to uh, finish this out. Um, favorite place to visit outside of Germany? Yeah. <laughs> favorite place to visit? Um, I love London. Uh, again, also there, I'm lucky to be able to work out of London uh, and spend a lot of time in London, but it's my mm. favorite city worldwide. Uh, oh. And other one, it's just really being in the nature, um, wherever mm. that is. It's been at lakes in no matter in which country it is mm. that's a kind of a yin and yang you have uh, london which is like a a rabbit warren where you go down one hole you come up somewhere else everything has changed but you're still in a big concrete jungle jungle what is, is it and, and and i absolutely love 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 london too what is it that you like most about london it's uh the multi multi multicultural um aspect of it it's the diversity you could say as well mm. it's that busyness all of the time mm. things everything is happening everything is moving nothing is standing it develops it changes uh mm. you know people running past there are so many stories if you could just sit at the cafe and watch people walk about there are so many stories behind you could probably make right and think of uh yeah that's uh yeah that's the, greatest part and that everyone is um you can find there everything everything whatever you think of <laughs> it's mm. there mm. yeah no it's it's so true it is it's just uh it's every sense that we have taste smell sight sound is yeah. is is assaulted in a, in a positive way and it's the constant change i guess uh yeah okay um if your house were burning down and your family or pets, whatever you have in your house, uh, phone, uh, computer, they're all safe. But you have time to run back in and grab one object, one thing that was of value to you. What would it be and why? Object. Uh... No, there is no such object for me. Um, I would, I, I don't know, I can't think of anything which is that important to me. 
that I would need to go back and grab um, besides my, you know, it's, it's my, my family people, but there is no object mm. mm -hmm. for me. Okay. Mm. Okay. And final question then, Stefika, is this, when your time on this planet is done, how would you like to be remembered? Um, as someone who has um, always been supportive and um, able to help and not afraid to help, uh, being also brave to help in some occasions, um, and makes people feel good about themselves. I love that. Stefika Ditkovic, thank you so much for being my guest on the podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Paul.